We often measure our happiness based on events that happen to us. Vacation, birthdays, our animals, sunny days, and so on. We are on a high while surfing or swimming in the ocean or skiing down a giant mountain. But then when we return to life, we hit a wall and yearn for the next time we can escape. It is easy to pay for experiences that provide us happiness. What we rarely think about is how our health can affect our day-to-day well-being. When you consider the effect of our overall health and our happiness, our experience of our daily lives can get to be a lot better. In full disclosure, I am absolutely not the definition of good eating habits, but since I met my wife 10 years ago, I have been trying little by little to clean up my act. When Tiffany and I met, she was in a good place with her health. Over the course of 10 years, she has found herself in some very challenging places where most of us would have thrown our hands up and just said whatever and given up. She has battled, she has researched, she has been sick, then healthy, she has had all sorts of random symptoms manifest over time, and after all of this, she has inspired so many of us that are close to her to take a deeper look at how we cheered our body and what we put into it. Most recently, she has completed her course of study to become a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. Her work to help others learn from her experience and gain a much deeper understanding of the inner workings of her body has become a passion for her. She has inspired me constantly, maybe not as much as she would like, to be a better human being all around. Her love for health, travel, the vibrancy of our spirits, and the world around us will all come up in this episode, I am sure. I hope you enjoy hearing Tiffany's story. I'm sure you will end the episode with a greater desire to do some explorations of ways you can better your life just like I have mine. And hopefully you will find some new desire to explore more of the world around you at the same time. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tyler. It's nice to be on here. Yeah, you're my um, first uh, in-person guest post-COVID. Oh, very exciting. Yeah, kind of is. I mean, it works out well since we live in the same house. Yeah, and I'm getting to see your fancy setup. Yes, yeah. Which looks like it reminds me of one of those, um, did you have as a kid those like Simon Says boards, all the colors and it would like light up and you'd have to tap it in order with the colors? Uh, I, I don't think we ever owned one, but I do know like at daycare we had them. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I had friends that had them. So I'm very familiar with what you're saying. That's what you have yes, now. Yes, it's very colorful. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. So, um, well, normally what I do is I have people to sort of describe where they are, but we're at home. Yeah. and but We uh, should talk about our house. Okay. I don't know if anybody knows. I mean, some people know. Okay. Well, why don't you describe where we are then? Um, well, specifically, we're in the guest bedroom, which is now your office since um, pandemic times and working from home. Um, but our house in general looks like a Mediterranean Tuscan villa. And so um, it's super cool. It's been an interesting house for us. Talk about journey in life. Mm-hmm. This house has been a lot, but it's, um, you know, we've been to Italy. We love Italy. And I feel like um, both of us probably imagine that sometimes that's where we are. We're sitting in this house with its cool 
wood beams and tile floors and um yeah yeah and i'm sure we'll talk about um people's homes as far as it relates to health when we when we get there in due time but um so for people i mean a lot of people close to us you know know bits and pieces or chunks of your story your life um but why don't you for the listener's sake sort of tell us maybe we'll start um with uh when your health started to turn and um we can we can kind of go from there yeah um so you know growing up i think actually in hindsight now i had health challenges early as a kid i had mono and um you know, a lot of like just infections that I think many of us kids do, but I do know that I was on the antibiotics a lot and just sort of struggled. The mono I really remember because I was in the hospital in, I think that was third grade. And I remember doing homework in the hospital. Um, so I think now given what I know, it actually started them, but the big, the big turn was when I was 17 and, um, I had, been living in New Mexico for the middle part of my life. So from the age of 12 until 17, I lived in New Mexico. At 17, I'd moved back to Ohio where I was originally from and I was working full time and I started to have stomach pain constantly. Um, I noticed every time I ate, my stomach was hurting um, to the point that I just stopped eating um, and was losing a lot of weight. Um, and then it, it just really went from bad to worse, like really, really quickly. Um, I was having, I was also trying to go to college at the same time. So I was, I was working full time. I was going to school. Um, but I was missing classes because I was just doubled over in pain and couldn't leave the house. So, um, as is the case with many people who, um, eventually get diagnosed with an autoimmune disease it's not an instantaneous diagnosis so it's not like you walk into a doctor's office and they're like i know what you have here's the answer uh so it was a journey of a few months of um losing a lot of weight and by a lot of weight i mean like 40 50 pounds um i i was really i was down to um i think like 85 86 pounds at that point um And, um, they eventually diagnosed me with Crohn's disease. So it took some time to figure that out. But, um, at 17, that was the diagnosis. Um, so that's when it really started my journey into autoimmune disorder. So just to, uh, just to back up for a second. So some of the things you mentioned, um, when you started telling that as a kid are things that we, uh, you know, are just, are just sort of common. We just don't really... Um, think about uh, were uh, were there things in your life that as a child um, with not that you would have done this as a child but um, if there was more knowledge out there than for the adults are some of those struggles that you had things that could have been you could have been avoided or are they just normal run-of-the-mill type things um, I think it's probably a combination of both there are a lot of infections and things that that children get. Um, I think what, based on what I know now, uh, what can be avoided is, um, making it worse. So 
I'm sure we'll get to this, but looking back at uh, antibiotics, you know, like really overusing antibiotics every time there was a cold or, um, you know, an ear infection. And that's just how we grew up, right? It was like we all took those and now I know the impact on gut health. So then you you know, kind of add that to the standard American diet, which I think you and I have talked about, you know, we grew up on a lot of, um, even if meals were being cooked, they were cooked from packages a lot, you know? Um, and so you kind of take the combination of like the antibiotics and that diet. And it is no surprise to me now that my gut was impacted and that, um, you know, this, this gut disease and autoimmune stuff started to, reveal itself. So what was the effect on your life when, um, when you were diagnosed with Crohn's? Uh, like, did you make any changes at that point? Were there things as a, you know, I mean, you were a late teenager, high school going into college, I'm assuming. So, you know, how did that, uh, how did that impact your life at that time? Um, I mean, it was pretty intense initially because I was so sick and I had lost so much weight and I was in so much pain. So, um, I actually ended up back in New Mexico in the hospital for a period of time. My mom just felt like, um, you know, that, that mom thing, the mom thing that we know, you know, when our kid's in trouble. Um, so she came to get me cause she just really felt like she wanted to be able to help me more. My dad and my stepmom were just working a lot and I obviously just needed some more assistance. Um, so I ended up in the hospital in New Mexico and, um, you know, that kind of put an end temporarily to going to college, to working. Um, I was really, really sick. Uh, so, it was a, I would say, I think that was about six months of um, not being able to really get out of bed, leave the house. Um, I couldn't get far from a bathroom. Um, I was on a lot of steroids, which made me really emotional. My sleep was erratic. Um, I was gaining a lot of weight then at that point, which was good. I had lost a lot of weight, but it was, it was a roller coaster. So I would say, you know, any sort of normalcy of teenage life for that period of time was gone. Um, in terms of like what I was doing, I was just taking a lot of medication. I mean, they had me on really high dose steroids, um, and just some other, you know, there's, we, we don't need to go down the rabbit hole of all the meds. There's a ton of different meds that they try and, um, they were just throwing everything at me, you know, to try to get the symptoms under control. Um, I do remember asking at the time, like, is there anything else I should be doing? Should I eat differently? You know, I started asking those questions, those questions right away and, um, was told no, that it didn't matter. So yeah, I was a teenager. And so what I did was just lived my life. Uh, and as soon as I felt better, I was back full on being a teenager, you know, whatever we do, eating fast food and not taking care of myself. Um, but yeah, mostly it was just like meds and, uh, doing the best I could to get through the day. So the meds were managing the problem, but you were just essentially kind of going about your normal life at that point, or did you go off meds at some point? Uh, no, I was on really intense meds for a very long time. So uh, once I got stable enough 
And by stable, I mean literally like to where I could leave the house because it was that critical for a while. Um, they also told me that probably a surgery was looming, but let's see how long we could just manage with the meds. And so they always use that word, just manage. You're just trying to manage the symptoms, get them under control so that you can live life you know, in between flares is, mm. is sort of how they paint that picture. Um, I did feel stable enough on really high doses of prednisone. Um, and, and anybody who's been on prednisone knows it, it actually uh, can make you feel like superhuman for a while. Like it, it definitely has an effect of like it kind of tricks you in a way like you can actually feel really great. So uh, I was ready to go back to school. I wanted to get back to life and um, I moved back to Ohio and that's when I essentially started at Kent State, which is where I ended up going to school for five years. So I know my college experience was pizza, late night food, a fair amount of drinking, um, zero exercise, and homework and television. Yeah. I, I, I don't, maybe I had issues. Then maybe I have issues now. I don't really know, <laughs> but uh, it was you know do, doing that sort of stuff didn't. Um, I wasn't prohibited. I I, I could live my life yeah. and and go about college. I I didn't know anything different. Yeah. Um, so, w- what was your experience like for college? Um, unfortunately, about the same. You know, now now I can look back and see that I was just causing more and more damage. Um, but I, well, fortunately, unfortunately, I had a great time. I did all the same stuff I ate, but you know, the doctors were telling me to do that. They were just telling me to take the medication. They would just keep adjusting the medication. We tried new meds all the time. Um, and just to live my life. And so I did because it's, it's what they told me to do. Um, now I did exercise. Uh, this is actually where, one of my health battles started, which was with eating disorders. Um, I think because of the steroids, so much weight gain, weight loss, weight gain, weight loss, I I started to um, get really self-conscious about that in my body. And the messaging was just to exercise, exercise yourself to death. So I did. And I started to compulsively exercise, um, which that, you know, over time led to more damage uh, to the body. But really, I was just, um, you know, I was getting through. I had a few flares in college that were really bad. And, um, you know, I just managed them. I ended up in the hospital a couple times. And um, one time that I can specifically remember that was the worst was uh, when my joints started to flare. So one of the things that will start to happen with autoimmune disease is it becomes a cascade. So it's not like it limits itself to one part of your body. You do see specialists for one part of the body, but the whole body is being impacted. So I started to have joint swelling and that um, I remember being in the dorms and being on crutches and uh, just trying to hobble around campus and carry a backpack. And it was a big campus and it was Ohio. So, you know, winter, I remember like trying to get through campus with my backpack in the snow and crutches, you know, um, I don't know, a lot of stories are flooding back. I remember landing in the hospital one time right before we were about to throw a big party and being very concerned that they just hurry up and like increase my meds so I could get to the party that we were throwing that weekend. I mean, you know, I was a college kid and I was um, just determined to try to live life really normally. Um, and the, and for the most part, I did. Um, 
they introduced some pretty intense medication at that point. That's when I started taking a drug called mercaptopurine, which um, quite simply is like a, almost like a chemotherapy drug. So, mm. um, you know, that gave me a lot of headaches. And But anyways, I just drank and ate and exercised and got through college and, and definitely enjoyed my time. But it was not probably the normal experience, I would say. You know, I was really pushing through a lot of symptoms a lot. Mm, and a lot of time in the hospital. Yeah. So um, after college, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you become a teacher. Yeah. Um, like, so where did, you know, you, you've got, you've gotten through college. What effect at this point are the, are, are the drugs having any impact on your life? Like what kind of what happened next? Yeah. As far as like your lifestyle once you graduated college, did that change at all? Yeah, that's when it actually really started to turn. Um, So, right, I was teaching and um, experienced. So I'm a first-year teacher, which is stressful enough. Um, And uh, I started to have another flair, you know, things. And this is what would happen. You know, we would get the meds to a point. They would work for a while. And then all the symptoms would start again. And generally were worse you know and they they kept saying like this is basically how it goes that's pretty common yeah we're yeah we're you know and they were like you know eventually we're just going to have to do an intervention with surgery so it's just a matter of like how long can you push off surgery was basically what i was being told um so i i'll tell you ty i don't really know what it was um i think my mom and i were talking a lot about this and this was of course before I'm going to date myself but this was there was no um cell phones internet I mean in college people were starting to talk about this thing called the internet but it's not like you could google something or you know follow a social media account and get health tips I mean it was not easy to access information but I do remember my mom and I talking about like the fact that it just didn't make sense that food and lifestyle weren't impacting this let's just call it a gut related disease. That's where I felt it mostly was in my gut. Um, and we, it just didn't make sense to us, either one of us. And we just started asking questions and, um, I'm pretty sure I probably just like went to Barnes and Noble or some, somehow I got my hands on a book and it wasn't easy to find this information, but there was a book that said that, macrobiotic diet would be helpful for Crohn's. And so a macrobiotic diet, essentially, uh, just very simple food like brown rice, steamed kale, things I'd never heard of. I literally never seen or heard of kale in my life until (laughs) macrobiotic diet. And, uh, I was able to find a chef in Cleveland. So I was curious about this diet. I found a book at the bookstore and I was curious, you know, me, you've at this point, you see what happens. Um, I go all in with things. I get curious about something, and I get an idea, and I just kind of go all in. So I hired a macrobiotic chef to teach me how to cook macrobiotic food because um, there is a particular way. It's not just the food. It's how you cook it. So, um, yeah, I got rid of everything he told me to, everything in my cupboards, um, all processed food, with macrobiotics, you're not supposed to have leftovers at all. Everything mm. has to be cooked fresh. So uh, you also have to cook. Um, you're not supposed to cook with electric, um, no microwaves, anything like that. Oh, so, wow. yeah, and certain cookware. Um, so I went 
you know, I was going to do it. And so I went all in with it. And um, basically, I can tell you, I lived on brown rice, kale, and miso soup. He he had me having miso soup multiple times a day. I had to choke down the shiitake mushrooms that were in it. And um, I I vividly remember also my fourth grade students at this time being like, well, Ms. Petrosky was my last name at the time. Miss Petrosky, what are you eating? And I was like, you know, I would try to explain it to them, but I was like, well, it's, you know, it's supposed to be helping my health. Um, so it did, it did make a difference and it wasn't sustainable and it certainly didn't turn things around for me, but it was that experimenting with that diet and it made enough of a difference that it sparked something in me to keep searching that I knew that food was impacting how I felt and just that experimenting with macrobiotics was enough to like keep me on the what turned into a 20-year quest to mm-hmm. figure out the right path. Yeah, and so we'll f- I guess maybe fast forward a little bit. Yeah. Um when we met, we met at CrossFit and everything was really seemed to be going well for you. I mean, you were going out and drinking and uh, Well, but- it was after I met you. Well, you were you were before <laughs> we met. That's not entirely true. Uh, well, I'll throw myself under the bus in a little while, but um, but it seemed like everything was was pretty well on track at that point. The yoga studio was open, and there was a lot of yoga that you know you were doing. Did um, you know through all of this? Did the pra- did you find that the practice of yoga made any difference for you, or was that just like sort of a hobby that you picked up? And- oh yeah, huge, huge. So yoga actually, I think, was the reason. So as you mentioned, I was doing really well. I was still on medication at the point when you met me. Mm. I was on that mercaptopurine that they had started okay. in college. Oh, okay. Um, there was a few different meds in between there. Some had, biologics. Had you been on that during the macrobiotic phase too? Um, were you off of it then? I was off of it then and um, stayed off of it for a few years. Um, they had me on this other drug, Azacol, and I was managing with Azacol and prednisone again. Um, but then when symptoms got really bad again, then back on the mercaptopurine. Um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, there was biologics, there was Humira. It, they, they just sort of try things on and off and they rotate the meds. Mm-hmm. Um the, mercap- the mercaptopurin came back in um, while I was living in Boston is when they put me back on it. So so by the time when you and I met, I had been back on it for a few years. Um, and it, it was working. It was keeping me stable. Mm-hmm. Um, but the yoga, I think, was the reason. So um, I discovered yoga when I was pregnant with Caden. And... Um, you know, sort of the part I mentioned, which was that I had become really obsessed with movement and fitness and and using exercise to control my size. You know, it was definitely like a, um, it, it wasn't a healthy relationship with exercise by any means. And I wasn't able to, I had to go off the medication when I was pregnant with Kate. And so I had to go off from her captopurine. Um, it's really dangerous while you're pregnant. And um, my joints had gotten really, really bad. And they couldn't put me on any medication while I was pregnant. So, um, and I couldn't exercise because my joints were swollen. So I started, somebody suggested yoga. And I was like, sure, I'll try that. Um, and. No, just yeah, to pause yeah, for a yeah. second. So during this, during these times when, well, let's just let's just use the time when you were pregnant. Um, there was still no, no talk from the doctors of 
even during this time period of food that would be nourishing to to you to nourishing to your gut it wasn't it was just you're off the medicine deal with it until the pregnancy's done yeah they were just um they just told me to eat what i could tolerate so they just wanted me to keep food in i had a hard time keeping food in and okay. i had a hard time maintaining weight okay um so they just wanted me to have as much calories as possible um high fat foods i was encouraged to have milkshakes mm, um I like it yeah yeah it would have been your kind of diet <laughs> i ate a lot of burgers and milkshakes during that time uh, which were endorsed and encouraged the only thing i can remember them telling me to be to sh- to steer away from was um, like a lot of coffee. Um, mm. And they it wasn't even specifically caffeine. They just said like, don't drink too much coffee. And I just remember that being the only thing that they That's ever strange. told me. Maybe oh, because and, it curbs your appetite? Um, well, I mean, I think anybody who drinks too much coffee knows that it can kind of stimulate going to the bathroom. And oh. so I was trying to prevent that from Understood. happening. So that was the only thing. And... and um, they told me if I was going to eat vegetables to just like super cook them to mush. So those were the only two guidelines, like not too much coffee and cook vegetables to mush. You know, don't make it difficult on your stomach to digest things. Mm. So yeah, yeah, you're making, I mean, right. Logically now we like know that that's terrible advice. That would be, I mean, at that point, are you cooking a lot of the nutrients out of the vegetables? Yeah, but the point is just to make it really easy to digest your, your, um, not having to work that hard and but you're not creating was, the cramping. But, but eat all yeah, the milkshakes. Yeah, you know. <laughs> eat all the milkshakes, the sugar. It. it doesn't matter. Right. Just eat yeah, it. Milkshakes yeah, yeah, yeah. and vegetable puree. Yes. Okay. Um, so, but this is when yoga came in. And in addition, obviously, you know, I mentioned that I had this like um, intensity around exercise. I just had an intensity in general. And I had this very sort of type A personality and I had a very hard time relaxing. I know it's shocker, right? (laughs) Um, But, you know, yoga really started to um, help me with the stress and the anxiety. And I noticed that I had less stomach cramping and less um, intense flares in the middle of the Mm -hmm. night that would wake me up. And the more I was doing yoga, the less and less that was happening. And, um, yeah, so I went all in with yoga. And so to, to fast forward to where you were asking, which is that, you know, I seemed to be doing well at the time that we met and that's true. Um, I had been all in with yoga for many, many years. So I was on medication and I was eating what I thought was healthy. You know, I'd experimented with a lot of different diets. I was pretty hardcore vegan for a while, um, I tried raw food diet. I was trying everything. Um, And I was in pretty good shape between the medication and trying to, I think, eliminate just like crap food. But really the yoga was it. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. to deal with the stress, um, to do the breath work. Now I understand, you know, that was a layer of healing for me, for sure. Um, So I think, you know, coming into the time that you and I met, it was kind of the combination of those things, like an awareness of processed junk food um, and eliminating that. And then stress management, yoga, meditation, breathing, huge, huge mm-hmm. impact on my health for sure. And kept me stable for a long time. Mm. Um, yeah. And then you met me and it was 
pizza and then all hell broke beer. loose. Yeah, yeah, sure did. Yeah. So um, when, when was it that, because I, I remember you went to your gastro doctor and you ended up going off of, he was like, oh, you, you look good. Everything's, yeah. you know, healed. You don't need the medication anymore. So, so I, I remember that. But then um, maybe, may, maybe we fast forward just a little bit. Um. To the trip down to Costa Rica. Yeah. So I'll I'll sort of set the stage a little bit. So we were leading yoga retreats and we were flying down um, to lead one in in Costa Rica. This was the second one we would have led at this retreat center, Blue Osa. Um, And it seemed, I I know you said you've, you kind of looking back on it, noticed some signs beforehand, but, but the plane ride is what um, really did it. And you went, very quickly downhill. By the time we made it to Costa Rica, I mean, it was scary. You, I mean, you, you probably if needed to go to the hospital right then, but we got you through the night and put you on a plane to come right back home the next day. And you went into the hospital for five days while I'm in sunny Costa Rica leading a yoga retreat. And this is sort of kind of leading in. I want to, I want to talk about what led to that in your eyes. Um, and, and kind of leading into the whole purpose of this podcast where we can move then to where we are now with, you know, healing in a better way and trying to nourish your body so that these types of things don't happen. So uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, I had um, come off the medication. So that was actually right before our wedding. So that would have been um, in early 2015 mm-hmm. is when he said, I think we're good. You've been, I had been in remission for years without any symptoms. And, um, you know, he said, let's, let's go off the meds. So yeah, that I was okay for a few years. Um, but you're right. I, I, I was, there were symptoms. There was some joint inflammation, um, that would bother me and my skin. If you remember, that's when the skin stuff started. So that was right before the wedding. And, um, I had always had like really clear skin my whole life, like beautiful complexion. Um, and then all of a sudden I just had this, uh, inflammation on my skin, these rashes. It, it was, it was the December before it was Christmas before that. I think also that you had, um, the black plague. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, what was yeah. it? Well, I had, it started with the flu and then it turned shingles. into, yeah, it was the flu and then shingles. And then right after that, I went right into bronchitis pneumonia and I had like a three month period of just like one thing after another. You know, and a lot of yeah. things that I think, I mean, me, I'm, I'm going to say most people and I'm, I'm, I'm leading the charge on most people, uh, that we just think is, you know, just normal run of the mill. You're going to get these things every so often. But I mean, in reality, that's not necessarily true. Yeah. All right. So, so keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you're talking about Costa Rica. So I, you know, there, yes, in hindsight, there were these symptoms, but, but, but I was doing well, right? I was lifting. I was in really good shape. I was running my businesses. Um, and I was just go, go, go. And, you know, nothing was stopping me. And then, right, we got on. I do remember the night before uh, we left and I was packing. And I knelt down to close the suitcase. And my knee felt really swollen. And that was alarming to me because that wasn't, you know, that wasn't a good sign. Um 
but I wasn't having any quote unquote Crohn's symptoms. Everything was fine. And you're right. We got, we got through the airport and then all of a sudden it was like, I don't know, it was something out of a movie. Mm -hmm. Like by the minute I was just getting more and more sick. Um, yeah, by the time we got to Costa Rica, I had, you know, you remember you went out and got a thermometer. I was running horrible fever. Mm -hmm. Um, and they did ask me to go to the hospital, my doctors, my gastro doctors, I knew it was happening. You had never seen a Crohn's flare. And I said, this is it. This is it. It's back. And, um, so yeah, I went, I came back, came into the hospital. Um, and of course to get things under control because it gets, it spirals out of control really mm -hmm. quickly. Um, had to go back on some medication. Um, that was just prednisone at the time. And my doctor and I had had a long relationship and he had, you know, been working with me for a long time and gave me a lot of space. You know, he really, he was very respectful that I tried to manage things, um, in my own way. And so he made an agreement with me that we would just do prednisone until it got under control. And then we would like reevaluate. Um, then he retired during that period and I got a new doctor. This, this, this was like 2019. Yeah. February, 2019 was when we led that retreat and I ended up in the hospital. Okay. I also at the same time was in the process of selling the yoga studio, which only really mm -hmm. you and I knew um, cause it was, you know, people were giving offers and I decided, um, you know, it was just time that I, I knew my health, I knew I was running myself in the ground and I just knew it was like time for me to start like shifting my pace of life. Uh, so that was also going on. There was a lot going on. There was a lot of, uh, like kind of happening all at once. So, um, yeah, so we, so the new doctor comes into the picture and um, convinces me that I need to try a new infusion drug that's very, um, isn't going to cause the same issues that some of the other biologic drugs had caused in the past. I, I'd had some severe lung infections, as you know, and some various things from the drugs from the past. So she said, this one is really mild. You know, it's not going to cause those same effects. It works differently. Um, you know, and that voice in the back of my head was like, no, there's, yeah, I think you really, you've got a, it had been a long time since I'd done any research and I just wanted to like look into things, but I was so sick. And so just sort of out of desperation, I agreed to do the infusions and, um, it was actually, do you remember your birthday when we went to Vermont and, um, I couldn't hike because. Oh, right. You were still very swollen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like on the car ride that all right. started, yeah. like we planned this weekend away and, um, it was actually after that weekend. So that was Labor Day weekend ish, yeah. um, September, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I decided to take the drugs because I was like, I can't live my life. I just, you know, I'm never going to have a vacation that I feel safe again and fine. I will just take them. And so I did, it was like a round of infusions where you take like one a month for three months and then mm -hmm. they start to get spread out. And the third infusion, and this I think is the biggest blessing of my life, uh, I had a severe allergic reaction um, and, you know, anaphylaxic shock, stopped breathing. And uh, that whole thing was the wake up moment. And, you know, I it was like, I had these books that I'd been sort of reading about functional medicine. And after that whole allergic reaction and, you know, it, it just felt like my body was saying like, stop, no, 
you're not doing this. This is not, we're not taking it. I'm not taking the, you know, and they were going to keep giving me the drug. They were just going to pre-medicate me, Mm -hmm. um, give me steroids, give me Benadryl and just keep giving me the drug. So I stopped, I stopped taking it and I decided to go all in with functional medicine. Um, and yeah, so I think we could probably like fast forward from there, but yeah. So explain, um, just explain sort of the premise of what functional medicine is. I mean, I think it's something that more and more people are hearing about. You're hearing more people getting into it or following it or whatever it might be. But what, what kind of is the the practice of functional medicine? Yeah, I think the best way to explain it is that in conventional medicine, the model that we're used to is that um, we're looking at symptoms and trying to figure out how to treat the symptoms. And so if you were having stomach pain, you would, you know, if you're having intestinal pain, you're going to go to a gastroenterologist. If you're having joint pain, you're going to go to a rheumatologist. If you are dealing with depression, you're going to maybe see a therapist or, you know, a psychiatrist or, you know, there's all these separate doctors and all the systems in the body are treated separately and you're treating symptoms. Whereas functional medicine is this approach of looking at the person. So functional medicine is is assuming from the beginning and understanding that you can't separate the systems in the body, that it's all connected, and that um, something that's impacting one system is going to impact all the systems. And so it really looks at the whole person and it doesn't particularly even care about a diagnosis or calling something a name giving these titles to diseases and symptoms. Um, it's just saying like, what is happening in this whole person? What clues is that giving us? And can we start to find some root cause issues? Let's look at lifestyle. Let's look at everything, your whole history. Um, and then it just really looks at you as a whole and says like, how can we support the whole body and allow the body to start to rebalance and heal. So it's a very different approach from the Western conventional model that we're used to. Um, and it's not, I, I think, unfortunately, our model is more disease care and functional medicine is health building. You know, it's, it's trying to look at creating the conditions for the body to do what it's supposed to do, which is you know, be balanced, find homeostasis, you know, it wants to, it knows what to do to heal itself, but we have to basically get out of the way and remove the stressors that are causing the the malfunction. So yeah, I mean, I had some books, I had, you know, Mark Hyman, he's been a functional medicine doctor for a long time. And I had, for whatever reason, I had the books and I'd never read them. And that was really, um, it was honestly just out of desperation, but also just like that deep knowing that's always been nagging me and just saying like, look into this more. So, um, and it just started to make sense. I mean, when you really think about that, like, yeah, I'm, you know, these parts of my, my system, my body are not separate. And why would we treat them that way? And I'm not even interested in what the name of this grouping of symptoms is because what's the solution. And that's what functional medicine is looking at. So what are some of the things that you started to uncover about your body that, you know, blood draws and, you know, sort of surface level tests didn't uncover that allowed you to kind of start to make real change rather than looking for the next medication? Yeah. So a big part of it was um, gut 
infections and um, you know a lot of disease and, and we're starting to thankfully hear this more and more is that health starts in the gut and people know that you know your immune system's coming from your gut um, and if you I think even just common sense tells you that if your gut is not working properly if it's not assimilating nutrients if you're not digesting you know you're not going to be healthy and so um, one of the the first things that my doctor did with me my functional medicine doctor was to look at like the nitty gritty of my gut. And we found some infections and, you know, there's this delicate balance in the gut of microbiome that you need, you need good bacteria and, and even the bad bacteria and they balance each other out. But often, um, for various reasons, the bad bacteria can get overgrown or you may have been exposed to something. I think it's possible with some of the international travel I've done in my life. You know, there was, crazy there was parasites there was bacteria there was overgrowth of certain viruses um and so that was the first layer was starting to get that stuff under control um and then you know we just sort of went from there there was a lot of um mineral imbalance and um we just started to like address some of that with diet and supplementation the biggest part i would say though as you know was like the diet changes Mm -hmm. and um Supporting my body, getting very serious about supporting my body with proper nourishment was instantaneously uh, what made a difference. And um, as you know, but I'll tell the listeners, um, I I actually love this story because my my GI and I have a great relationship now and she's very curious and asks me a lot of questions. But she almost fired me as a patient during this whole thing because one of my markers that just marks shows you how um, what kind of inflammation you have in your body. Um, C-reactive protein. Normally, under ideal circumstances, you want that to be zero, and like maybe you know you wouldn't be super alarmed if somebody was at like a thirty or below. And mine was at fifteen hundred, and she was she called me and she was like, "That's it. You're going to the hospital again. You're starting this medication." you know, if you're not going to listen to me, you cannot be my patient. And, um, that was, you and I were getting ready to go to Costa Rica and I was like, Nope, I'm going to Costa Rica. This is where my healing starts. And I had planned to finally just like bite the bullet and see a functional medicine doctor. And I just believed, I believed with all my heart Mm -hmm. that I was onto something. And so, um, I started the diet changes right away. I, um, introduced, more protein, took out a lot of the like refined carbs and sugar and gluten and stuff. And, um, within, remember the doctors told me like, I'll give you, you know, you have to get your blood test. You have to do these tests like every couple of weeks and we'll keep watching it. And within, um, 90 days after making just the diet changes and adding a few like gut healing supplements, um, my C-reactive protein was less than 10 mm. and she, I remember her calling me and saying, this isn't even possible. It's literally not possible for that much of a difference for any reason. Even medication couldn't change it that much. And I was like, it is possible. And here I am. And so, um, yeah, it was, um, so it was a, it was a journey. I'm, I'm trying to condense this. Um, the other, I would say major thing we ended up uncovering was, um, some pretty intense heavy metals that were really bizarre and I think maybe came from my time in New Mexico, which is a whole nother story, (laughs) like living near White Sands Missile Range and 
and I, uh, who knows what was in the water and in the ground there. But um, we had to do some heavy metal detox. And then, of course, this last layer um, in the past year, which was kind of like the final piece, was um, mold. And I discovered that I had really high levels of mycotoxins, you know, mold that had built up in my body. And I had to go through an intense detox for that. But all the while I was feeling great, you know, so it's just like a process, Mm -hmm. you know, where you're just kind of continually uncovering um, little bits at a time and just starting to remove the stressors and um, the things that are causing malfunction at a cellular level. Mm -hmm. It's just metabolic chaos, you know, and so, yeah. So I think all the things. I think a lot of times... Um, we use, you know, food comes into play in people's health when there's a weight issue. Right. And, um, you know, or people start, just start taking, you know, supplement, you know, like vitamin B or D or X, Y, and Z just because somebody at work said, you know, or they take a, a, uh, you know, an all in one vitamin or something like that. But I think, um, you know, kind of looking at food and supplementation on a more maybe strategic way, you know, by doing more than a blood test and having a blood test say, oh, you know, you, you're negative, you're low in this. But, you know, yes, blood is important, but there are tests that can be run that can really tell you more about your day-to-day living yeah. and kind of starting to look at food in a different way for overall happiness and well-being yeah absolutely and you know one of the things that I learned for myself but then I learned through my schooling was um the importance of there not being um there is no cookie cutter diet there Mm -hmm. is no cookie cutter there's no supplement that's the miracle supplement that everybody should take and it'll just get rid of it I mean I have people message me all the time like what should I take for this or that and um I wish it was that easy it's just not you know you're a very unique individual and so yeah individualized nutrition and looking at your your specific needs and and where you know my metabolic needs are going to be different than yours and um you know, that's why I think it's a, it's really important, particularly if you have some big health challenges to address, to work with a, protect, a practitioner that knows what they're doing to look at. Because, you know, you look at how long this took me and, you know, we really condensed the story today. But during that whole 20 years, I was searching. I tried every, like you're saying, you hear about a supplement, you hear about a diet. I drink green smoothies you can't even imagine how many green smoothies I drank or you know in every and it was all important you know it was all like an interesting clue or layer and I think all just kept me moving towards this like quest for health um but in those solutions you're looking for like the panacea right the thing that's like if if you just if everybody drank green smoothies we would all be healthy and that's just not true you know we all have different needs and we've all been exposed to different stressors Mm -hmm. and that's the key is like you may not have the same issues like you and i could could let's say have the same symptoms that are manifesting but the root causes of those for you and for me may be very very different just based on environment, totally. your history. And- yes, genetics, um, how you grew up, mm-hmm. medications you took, things you've been exposed to, the food you're eating, and how and just how your body's dealing with it. And so, you know, getting like we all we all want 
I don't want to say the fast solution, mm. but it, but it's actually like if you had the opportunity to figure out what you, Tyler, specifically need to do to um, support your body to correct imbalances, to remove the stressors so that your body can do what it wants to do, which is heal and balance, then that makes way more sense mm. than throwing a bunch of money away, getting frustrated. That's the biggest thing I see. And I experienced it myself. You get so frustrated and then you just start to believe that like, it's your fate. Mm -hmm. You know, it's my, I hear this all the time from people. I said it too. Like, well, my family, well, that's in my family. Well, that's just, you know, and you just accept these things as um, inevitable Mm -hmm. or that you don't have control over them. And And that's, it's just not true. And I think this is, as you know, what lights me up the most is giving people hope. Mm -hmm. Even if, I mean, I would love to work with anybody who wants to work with me because this is just my mission in life is to help anybody who wants help. But even if they're not going to work with me, um, I want people to know that they have control, that they are fully capable of being as vibrant, energetic, and healthy as they want to be, that Mm -hmm. that's available for them. And with some patience and some grit and knowing the right solutions for them, they can get there. Mm -hmm. And I just want people to like know that. They know that they can feel, they don't have to just like, it's not just age or life or, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, getting older is getting older, but you can feel great. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, sort of looking back on where you've come from and, you know, looking to the future and, you know, you think of, you look at all of the people that are 60, 70, 80, 90, you know, we're living longer and longer, but you look at, in a lot of cases, a quality of life that if there, if we had known, maybe we did know, we just didn't do it, you know, but now we, now we do know and people can make the change. So let's let's sort of wrap this up a little bit because I know that a lot of people at this point are like, well, I like this or I like that and yeah. I'm not giving it up. And I'm, you know, that's insane. I don't care what the, you know, my pizza, you know, what, whatever. So you've given up a lot of foods that you love yeah. in some respect, but you've also found ways to still enjoy those foods enjoy life we go on vacation um you know we we search a little harder i I think you know my my biggest thing in in my life is making sure that i'm sourcing you know good quality meats um i try to get to the farmer's market as much as i possibly can and try to avoid you know store-bought even organic stuff as as much as possible but maybe just to kind of end this for people to give them some hope that they can still yeah. live life and enjoy life and eat things they want to eat. Like how, give some advice and, and, and kind of explain the the work you've done to compensate for the, for some things you've had to give up, but you still are able to eat a lot of the stuff you do love. Yeah. I mean, we're living in a time when um, it's easy. It's so much easier. I mean, I think even 10 years ago, had I tried to eat the way that I do now, it would have been a lot more difficult, not impossible, but definitely more difficult. There are certainly um, a lot of companies now that are serving this need and this niche, and they're doing it really well. Um, So yeah, in general, of course, like eating whole real foods is ideal. And also life is life. And, you know, 
And I was just talking to a client the other day and I said to her, like, I'm not going to be the one to tell you to meal prep and to spend all these hours on the weekends um, because I, I don't do it. I don't cook. And so I think the best advice um, I have for people who feel like they're going to have to give things up, it's, yes, there are some certainly some things that um, there's some changes to make. But like you said, I don't feel like I'm missing out on life. And there's two reasons for that. One is that um, there there's an abundance of great options out there now. And two is that as you start to feel better, and this part, people just have to trust me and believe me and get over the hump of the initial changes. But as you start to feel better, you do not feel like you're missing out. And you don't want to go back to um, the foods that make you feel awful because you have figured out how freaking amazing you feel and it's not even worth it. Um, but as you've said, like if there's things that I feel really strongly about, like, I don't know, you and I used to have waffles, you know, on the weekends and you've been amazing about this. Like I found the cookbooks, you do the cooking, you know, we have found paleo waffles that in all honesty, the whole family enjoys. Like you love them. Yeah, I don't think, really yeah, I don't think you I feel mean, like any, you're, anything with syrup. I'm going to sure. Eat, so. <laughs> yeah. Let's be real about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, there isn't, I can't think of one thing that I, that there's not a substitute, a replacement, the things that I need comfort, you know, th those types of foods. And then the other ones have just fallen away and it's not a struggle. Um, you couldn't, I've actually had some nightmares about people like forcing me to eat some toxic foods that I used to mm. eat. And I'm like, no, don't put it in my body. You couldn't make me. And I, I just, uh, I, you know, it's one of those things, again, I, people just have to, there is a level of just like, trust me, trust me on this. Um, but it's, I think the big, to wrap it up, the best, the best way that I can describe it is that um, it doesn't have to be complicated mm -hmm. because actually it's very simple. Mm -hmm. It's very, very simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. And um, just getting back to some basics. And I think a mindset shift is what's key is it's like, I don't think about it. Like, what am I missing? What can't I have? I think about what I, all the abundance and the amazing foods I can have that nourish my body mm -hmm. and nourishment's one of the pillars of my framework, um, in the program that I work with people. Um, because I think framing things as nourishment just has a different, um, energy to it. Right. It's like when you wake up and you have you have um, you're ready to face the day. You feel freaking fantastic. My energy all day is incredible. I just want to keep nourishing that. Mm -hmm. And I have found foods that taste amazing, that are easy. Um, and it's it's not really as complicated as probably people think it is. Um, it just takes a little bit of you know, kind of like reshifting. And, and that's what I do with people because I recognize that, you know, this took me a really long time and you know, all the rabbit holes I went down, the amount of time that I've spent. Um, and I create resources for people so that they don't have to figure this all out themselves. So I can get them an impact faster because I've done the work. I've found all the brands. I've found all the websites, the tips, the tricks. And you, you've got that on your website, right? Um, I have it in my client. Um, so it's a, oh, okay. it's a resource that I, for, for my clients that I share. I use Notion. 
Um, and I just, it's just like this like library of, Mm. um, resources for them. Um, and I share a lot of this on social media. So Mm. this is part of why like my TikTok at Tiff Cagwin and, at Tiff Cagwin on Instagram, and I'm trying to share a lot of these tips and tricks for everyone. So I want, you know, I've got, of course, like really in-depth library for my clients, um, but I am trying to just share more broadly with the world, like the things that I've figured out that I think can help others. Like castor oil packs. Castor oil packs. So into it. Yeah. Someday I'm going to get you to try one. I don't think so. (laughs) Well, Tiffany, thank you so much. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Own Travelers. A huge thank you to Tiffany for joining me. Make sure to find her at Tiff Cagwin on Instagram and make sure to visit her website, www.tiffanycagwin.com. Thank you as usual to Soul Rising for allowing us the use of his song, The Journey, for our intro and outro. You can find him wherever you find music. Don't forget to visit our website, www.nostalgiachocolates.com, for the show notes and, of course, to grab as much chocolate as your shopping cart can handle. 